Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where yesterday was the summer solstice, the first day of summer, and it was seriously the longest day ever. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nachum's live lunch. Do my eyes deceive me? Avrami is behind the board, and he does not look at all as tired or weepy as he usually does on a Thursday. Good morning, Avram. Boker Tov, how are you? I am well. How are you? Uh, thank God, doing all right. Um, how was your commute in from uh, Queens? Well, actually, no, it was a commute in from uh, from Brooklyn today. Cause okay. actually, I came up to New York last night. It was one of the boroughs. You weren't coming in from Baltimore. Uh, no, we came in last night. Drove in with the kids. A little bit dangerous. Uh, as well, far as for my sanity, not but it dangerous, out. challenging, <laughs> challenging, right, challenging. Right. <laughs> and uh, thank God it worked out. It worked out okay. And uh, they were the kids were upset because uh, my wife wasn't with us. She's coming up today, so that was also you know unusual for us to travel without her. Right. Uh, but it worked out. Thank God, and we are here and uh, still tired because uh, came in a little bit late last night, but. Not complaining. It was all good, and the weather in New York is so nice. Can't it complain. Certainly is. I remember. I remember one time I took the kids by myself when they were when they were much younger. I took them by myself to Mystic, Connecticut. Stephen had to work, and it was a Cholamoid Pesach. And I'm like, we we got to get out of the house. And I took them. At that time, I only had five kids, and I took them. And I say only. I took them by myself to Mystic, Connecticut. And my twins were really young. And one thing I did not know about Mystic, you know, which is outside. It's maritime. You're on the water. You look at the boats. Mm-hmm, that there are no uh, fences. There are no, yeah, mm-hmm, next to the water, there's nothing. So I kept my twins who were nished happy with their mommy in their stroller the entire time because I knew somebody was going to take a dive off the side and that was going to be a whole new story for that day. So I just nixed that whole plan. But yeah, that was, when you do something by yourself for the first time, I don't care what that stage is in your parenting. It's still a it, it's it's still a moment where you lose ten heartbeats. I can't believe uh, when we go to the uh, the Baltimore to the harbor. There's no uh, railing. There's no railing yeah. there either. There's no railing. <laughs> What's me with really that? Nervous. Right. There's no railing. And by the way, since I'm convinced that my kids think they can fly, this is why we've never been on a boat. Like I'm, every time we bring up a conversation about maybe taking a cruise somewhere on some kind of family vacation, I'm like, no, we'd have to tether everyone to the boat. Yeah. So I completely get it. Anyway, uh, heads up, New York. Judd's Memphis Kitchen Food Truck will be back here on the Lower East Side this evening in front of our studio at 551 Grand Street, right off the FDR. Nachum mentioned it a number of times during JM and AM this morning. I have a feeling people are going to be working late here at the studio because the last time Judd was here, it was a huge hit, a huge hit, and the weather seems to be holding today. So as Nachum mentioned on JM and AM, if you are on the FDR drive and you're hungry, you basically have to get off the highway and go a block and a half down. It's really not far. Hopefully there will be parking available because New York in the summertime t- tends to clear out Thursday afternoons to the evening. So you should be able to park, pick up some food, yummy food as is, and then get back on your way. So again, that's starting at 5.30, between 5.30 and 6 p.m. this evening until they sell out. They will be here at 551 Grand Street. And as Nachum's been mentioning, and you've been seeing on our social media feeds, the Cyclones Season 17 is well underway. If you have never gone to a game, folks, I highly recommend it. I went to my first game in their first season, and I have been hooked ever since. We go every single year. It is part of my husband's annual summer vacation is just leaving the studio, leaving the studio. Ha, that would be me. Leaving the office and heading to Coney Island, enjoying a dog, enjoying the great 
great ocean air and having a wonderful time at the game. You can go to brooklyncyclones.com to purchase tickets or call 718-507-TIXX. And just note, Jewish Heritage Night is on October 24th. Let's do the fortune cookie. And a shout out to Yoni's friend. Yoni is like the magic man of Rummy because Yoni has a friend who got four out of five numbers in the Mega Millions. Yeah, if he was really Yoni's friend, he would have gotten all five, but clearly they're just acquaintances. Anyway, so four out of five, and Yoni touched this fortune cookie, so I'm thinking it's holy now. Here we go. A friend asks only for your time and not money. Yeah, I don't know any friends like that. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, the fortune, should I share these numbers, Yoni? Do you think that they're, we, yeah, okay, Yoni says to share. 46, 10, 55, 22, 27, and 9. What do you think? Am I playing these? I don't even know. Like, by the way, and that's a big joke. Like, I don't even know how to play these. I don't know anything Why aren't about you the Mega Millions. His friend, and not him. Because <laughs> Yoni seems to be the, <laughs> the the kingpin here. He seems to be the magic man. I'd have to go to Yoni. See, by the way, that's a good point. When you have to rely on Yoni for something, <laughs> I am just kidding. But Yoni, can you do these numbers for me? Because I don't know what to do. He's not feeling it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. National holidays today. Um, this might be my favorite thing ever. Stupid guy thing day is today. Nobody here's laughing. That's because I. That's because I only. That's because I only work with men. <laughs> that's why I'm the you only. Give us an example of a stupid guy. Thing? No, because we only have 25 minutes left <laughs> of the show. Um, it's also Global Smurfs Day. Yeah, I know, right? Fun. Uh, Baby Boomers Recognition Day. Mm, yeah, I got none. Um, HVAC Technicians Day. Yeah, I would shout out to a lot of HVAC guys. By the way, that's heating and uh, air conditioning. That's what that stands for, right? Uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning. I know Stephen Wallach super proud of me right now. And most importantly, Worldwide VW Beetle Day. Yeah, I know. I have one friend who got a used one for her 50th birthday. It's bright orange. Nice. Yeah, it's really, really cute. So uh, enjoy that day. It's a beautiful day if you can take the top down and have some fun in the sun. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Joining me this morning is Rabbi Jeremy Stern. He's executive director of ORA, the Organization for the Resolution of Agunot. They seek to eliminate abuse from the Jewish divorce process. They work within the parameters of Jewish law and civil law to advocate for the timely and unconditional issuance of a get. ORA believes that the protracted refusal to issue or receive a get is a form of domestic abuse, which must never be tolerated. They pursue their mission through Aguna case advocacy, early intervention programs, educational initiatives for Aguna prevention, and they openly refer to themselves as an organization that looks forward to going out of business. Good morning, Rabbi Stern. Good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a long time since you've been on the air, and I apologize for that. But Too long. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, you know, I was hoping you'd be out of business by now. I, I was hoping as well. Thank you. You, you guys, <laughs> Great to be here. yeah, a pleasure to have you. you guys. Started in what year? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Well, un- and in fifteen years, we've assisted in the resolution of two hundred eighty-eight Aguna cases to date. Wow, that is incredible. And before two thousand and two, not to sound completely, completely uneducated, but what did someone do? That's a good question. Um, you know, they would they would try and work, turn to the rabbis or do what they can. Uh, maybe if their local rabbi could assist them, or they just pay off a recalcitrant husband if he was demanding, um, you know, money or something like that um, in exchange for the get. So we're here to assist people uh, so that the get should be issued and received unconditionally uh, and in a timely fashion. So that is part of. I, I'm going to do this very loosely. That part yeah. of the um, the 
regulations or the Jewish law that surrounds get is that the, both the husband and the wife have to give and receive that get unconditionally, right? Uh, yes. And the and that, by the way, is what prompted the Arutz Sheva article that um, then led me to reach out to you and, esta- <laughs> and establish the uh, establish today's interview. But before I even get to the interview, I have so to the article. I have a couple other questions I want to get to. In ter- sure. like for example, you've been around for fifteen years. You're hoping to go out of business. How are you doing in that effort to put yourself out of business? Uh, well, unfortunately, I have a pretty good job security so far. Uh, um, but what uh, what we're strong advocates for is the halachic prenuptial agreement for the prevention of gadrophy. The, the halachic prenup, um, which is a document a couple sign before they get married, which has worked 100% of the time in preventing cases of get refusal. It works halachically, it works civilly, um, and it's an extremely effective measure. And so if everyone were to sign a halachic prenup like they have a ksuba at an orthodox wedding, um, we would uh, eventually put ourselves out of business. So you have situations where in the last 15 years, you have couples who had signed the prenup and then have gotten divorced and have been able to use the prenup just as backup because they signed it when they got married. Right. Every few weeks, actually, just, just this week, we received another call of someone who signed the halachic prenup. Um, and, uh, and from the very beginning, there, was, there were serious concerns that this would be a messy divorce um, and that the husband was making clear that he wanted to, to, to withhold the get, use it as leverage, um, and we got people in, in, in utilizing the prenup, enforcing it, uh, and every single time that this has happened, it's worked and, and has ensured the issuance of the get. That is an incredible statistic, 100% of the time. I'm mm-hmm. not sure of anything besides the sun that really works 100% of <laughs> right. the time. That is that is an incredible statistic, and it's also amazing to me how many um, rabbinic certifications or approvals or whatever the right is word is that you have on your website backing your organization. And I don't mean again to sound ignorant, but are there rabbis who have looked at you and said, "No, I'm sorry, we can't do this." Um, I mean, we, you know, there's, there's, uh, we, we work with many different types of, you know, communities within the Orthodox world, um, and so n- there are certainly rabbis who don't want to be put up on, on our website. But we have cases everywhere from, from Satmer to, you know, uh, open Orthodox and non-Orthodox as well, um, and everything in between. So we work with, with uh, individuals and communities across the, the, the denominational spectrum um, and are willing to help anyone that we can. So you people can go to getora.org, G-E-T-O-R-A dot org. You are a 501c3. You are completely mm-hmm. supported by donations. Yeah. And, do- and, and, and to, to be clear about that, we don't receive, we don't accept donations from anyone whom we are currently assisting. Because what we say is that we're not representing either party. We're not representing the husband or the wife in a divorce dispute. We're representing the get. Our concern is that the get is issued unconditionally and in a timely fashion, issued and received. Um, and so, if we're not we're not a hired gun of either party, and so if uh, if you know, let's say a woman whom uh, who, who's trying to get a get, uh, and we're working on that that case, makes a donation to Ora, we'll refund the money. We've done that as in in the past. Wow. Um, and so, it's, you know, that's why we're we're dependent on the support of indi- individual members in the community who you know feel this is a, this is a critical service to provide. Uh, and and for sure, and especially. 
especially in light of how many situations we have heard of young couples getting married and then getting divorced rather quickly, or just, you know, long-time situations, even in the last 15 years, where you have, um, you know, everything looks like it's good on paper, so to speak, and then things tend to fall apart. This is not, divorce is not an issue that is you know, necess- is that is going away. And it's part of, you know, it's part of every culture. It's part of every society. But what's so amazing about Judaism is that we took precautions for this. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, divorce is, is a reality. Right. Um, and unfortunately, yet refusal is a reality. But we also have the solution. And so it's a matter of standardizing the use of the halakhic prenup in order to, to make this issue go away. What kind of um, outreach programs go on through ORA or through some of your umbrella organizations or, or side organizations to help get the word out about the importance of the, get, of the prenup? Well, so it's really uh, under, you know, under the uh, ORA umbrella, um, we, uh, we have educational programs in yeshiva high schools, on college campuses, uh, in synagogues. Um, I'll, I'll serve as a scholar in residence every few weeks uh, in a different shul um, to talk about agunot, domestic abuse, and the, the halachic prenup. Uh, we, uh, we have campaigns that we put on, on social media and Facebook to raise awareness about the halachic prenup and videos we put out and things like that. Um, so at this point, we're, we're reaching, in terms of our educational programs, uh, close to 4,000 students and community members every year. That's incredible. And that number has just continued to go up. I imagine that when you right. started out, it was like 15 years ago, it was word of mouth. People knew about people knew about ORO or they heard about it through the YU system, so to speak. As you have the backing of many, many of the Rabbanim at YU. And so word got out that way. But now you're, you're a community force. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, the good news is that we've assisted in nearly, uh, in resolving nearly 300 Aguna cases in the past 15 years. The bad news is at any given time we're working on about 70 active, active, uh, cases. And this, like I said, impacts, uh, the Jewish community across the denominational spectrum in basically every major Jewish community, um, throughout the world. Uh, we work certainly in, in the United States, but even, uh, in, in Mexico, in South America, in Canada, um, you know, we've had cases in Europe as well, uh, cases that, that involve Israel uh, as well. So we were working internationally. Why would someone, why would someone ch- sort of, I mean, I don't know if the right word is, is choose, but how many women suffer as an aguna instead of going to you to get help? Do you have like some kind of a, a grasp on oh, that? That's a really good question. I, I, I can't know how many people are not calling me, right? Okay, uh, fair what point. I do know is um, we, we started about two years ago a helpline called One Step Forward, the Jewish Divorce Resource Line. Uh, and in that, uh, we provide guidance, support, referrals, assistance to people, uh, men and women, uh, in the get and bait in process. Um, and we were now um, addressing about 300 calls a year from people who are looking for assistance in the GET process, concerned, am I going to get a GET? How do I get a GET? And we're providing that, that type of uh, support. So now you bring me to, now that you mentioned the men and the women, you bring me to this mm-hmm. article. Ruth Sheva, and I, I, I frankly, when I saw the, when I saw the article um, originally posted, I thought it must be something that showed up on my feed from like 10 years ago that, that I had just, uh, you know, obviously missed. But frankly, it is a very recent article. It is just this week. Arutz Sheva put out an article, The Silent Tragedy of Men Who Suffer from Recalcitrant Wives. It was written by Shimon Cohn. And the article talks about 
how rabbinical courts pride themselves on helping women who are chained to recalcitrant husbands, but there are men who are chained to recalcitrant wives. And I'm just going to read a little bit of the article. Statistics show that over 200 women were refused a get by their husbands, but there are men whose wives refused to accept a divorce. Arutz Sheva spoke to family attorney Ido Devone, who said that men are often jailed for refusing to grant their wives a divorce, but wives are rarely, if ever, jailed for refusing to divorce their husbands. And this is true despite the fact that Jewish law considers coercing a husband to grant a divorce worse than coercing a wife to grant a divorce. So now I'm going to ask you, is this really a rampant problem that we just don't know about? It's a great question. Um, uh, first, I just want to be super clear. Uh, you know, despite the, the fact that our name is the Organization for the Resolution of Agunot, uh, and those are female victims of get refusal, um, we, we have assisted men whose wives have refused to receive the get from them. Um, and we feel that get refusal is wrong. It's a violation of halacha. It's abusive no matter who does it, uh, whether it's refusing to issue the get or refusing to, to receive the get. That being said, um, 99% of our cases have been situations where the husband refuses to issue the get rather than the other way around. But we, that being said, we have had cases where the wife has refused to receive the get. Um, the cases where, that I hear about that don't necessarily make it to our, our desks, um, sometimes people will say, oh, yeah, I heard about a woman who's refusing to receive the get. And the first question I'll ask is, is for how long? And, again, not to justify it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when we take on an active Aguna case, on average, the couple's been separated for three to four years before it comes to, to our office and the woman has exhausted all other forms of, of amicable resolution to try and resolve the case, and then she turns to us. And I think it's very, very rare Certainly outside of Israel. Israel is, is its own ball of wax, and we can talk about that. <laughs> Certainly outside of Israel, it's very, very rare for a woman in, in the Jewish community, especially the Orthodox community, to refuse to receive a get for a protracted period of time, for a year, two years, three years, four years, uh, which are the types of cases that we start to see. Um, certainly five years or ten years. It, again, it can happen, uh, but it's extremely rare. So you're saying that while you haven't spoken to him directly, and I appreciate that, appreciate that wholeheartedly, this family attorney who's being cited in this article is almost specifically talking to instances that are happening happening in Israel. And again, as you mentioned, that's a separate situation yeah, to discuss. Yeah, Israel's its whole other ball of wax um, for, for a whole bunch of different reasons. I don't know if you want to go into that or not. I, I um, do. I do. I'm just trying to, you know, I have like a gazillion questions in front <laughs> of me. And I want to make sure that while we touch upon Israel, because yes, it is a different issue in Israel. And to discuss why that is, is, you know, probably another 30 minute interview. <laughs> but I also want to just mention the fact, I mean, I, I know I interrupted your train of thought, but but I just also want to touch upon the fact that I that the prenup that you encourage everyone to sign works both ways. Yeah. So uh, the the standard version of the halachic prenup from the Beth Din of America um, deals with the 99% of cases where the husband is refusing to issue the get. Uh, they do make available, and this is what we you do, what we have available on our website on getora.org, um, is what they call the reciprocal version of the prenup, where it creates a an incentive um, in the, in once a 
couple separated, not only for the husband to issue the get, but for the wife to receive the get. Uh, that creates a, a reciprocal obligation. Uh, and I find that everyone likes it better, right? Uh, on the right uh, and on the left, right? On the right, they like it better because then it's not this feminist document that's just against men, right? Uh, it's against, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's creating obligations for women as well. And on the left, they like it better because um, it's more egalitarian, it's more equitable, right? It's even in mutual obligations between the two sides. And so just because it's, a, it's an easier sell, and I think it makes, makes sense, uh, we use the reciprocal version, and that's what we have available on our website. And again, as you had mentioned, if a, if a husband is suffering under the hands of a recalcitrant wife, they too can turn to Ora for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so now let's try and tackle Israel in, in a minute or less. Okay. Why is it such a different world in terms of the get-refusal situation? Well, so the whole Beitin system, the whole rabbinical court system, is fundamentally different in Israel than it is anywhere else. Because in Israel, the rabbinical courts are the state-run system, right? The only way that a couple gets married or divorced, uh, a Jewish couple gets married or divorced in Israel, is through the rabbinical courts. Uh, they don't have civil marriage and divorce. Whereas outside of Israel, like in the United States, for example, people opt in to having an additional track on top of their civil marriage and divorce to have a religious marriage and divorce. But that's entirely optional and of, of their free will. So just starting off with the fact, and I was looking this up last night uh, after you reached out to me to get some of the, the statistics from a, a, a census data from a few years ago. Uh, 42% of Israelis identify as strictly secular, chiloni. Right, not even like we're traditional, right? Strictly chiloni, uh, right? They do not care about about Judaism or or, or religion in terms of like uh, a halachic system. Okay, Got it. Uh, so that being the case, if there's a woman, if 42 percent of women in Israel who are getting divorced, and let's let's assume that the divorce statistics follow, you know, kind of the divide up in in society, um, if 42 percent of the women in Israel are getting divorced, don't care about halacha, don't care about the fact that, and I'm not not blaming them, I'm just saying as, as a matter of fact, they right. don't care about right. the fact that if they don't have a get, uh, they are still considered halakhically married, and if they sleep with another man, that's considered an adulterous relationship, and if they have children, those con- children are considered moms, they're bastard children. They don't care about the halakhic system, right? Um, so then it doesn't make nearly as much a difference to them if they refuse to receive the get from the husband, um, because the consequences for them and what, what they feel are so much less severe. Uh, whereas in outside of Israel and America, for example, people are opting into the get system. So anyone who wants to get a, wants to get a get wants to get a get. Anyone who's trying to get a get wants to get a get. And so it's very rare to have a situation where a couple is from a religious background where it's important for them to have a get. They recognize the consequences of not having a get. And yet the woman still says, I don't care about the consequences for me um, despite the fact that I recognize what they are and I'm will- willing to live in, an, uh, in a halakhically adulterous relationship uh, with all of the co- consequences of that. Wow. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, it does make sense, but then I, I, I guess my, my next question would be, and I totally i am trying not to get sidetracked, yeah. though, though we are running out of time, is that I, I wouldn't understand then if the, if the rabbinic courts issue a divorce, then wouldn't it be hand-in-hand with issuing a, a halakhic divorce also if it's all intertwined? Yeah, but you still need um, the parties to cooperate. Right, so the, the rabbinical courts can state that the, the couple is halakhically required to issue and receive a get, but you still need their their cooperation. 
you still need their cooperation. Right. They so, need to show up and participate in the get process. So even though the the rabbinical courts in Israel and the rabbinical courts in America are all playing by the same rules, because frankly, their halacha is still because of that pairing in Israel, we are we basically function in two different ways. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So can a couple who is facing, oh, I guess it doesn't matter, I just answered my own question without even having to go down, <laughs> even having to ask you the next question, which I just, in my head, just made irrelevant. The article continues, by the way, and with this, I, I'm totally running out of time. The uh, the attorney, Devon, he says, I, he doesn't know how widespread the phenomenon is, this is of women refusing to accept the get, but he expects that if a woman is sent to jail for refusing to force her husband, it'll make it to the media. I mean, is that what we're really looking for here, is for every situation to head into the headlines, or we just, you know, that's these are extreme cases. So I'll even answer the question for him. I, I pulled up the, uh, the statistics that the rabbinical courts just issued, and they cited that uh, sanctions, right, which means whether it's, uh, it, it, again, because the, the rabbinical courts in Israel are the state-sponsored courts, they have real enforcement power if someone is recalcitrant. So they can strip someone of their driver's license or their, their you know, professional licenses. Uh, they can freeze their bank accounts. Uh, they can seize their assets. They can put them in jail. They can put them in solitary confinement, right? Um, so the, this, these are the statistics from 2000. 2016 that just came out from the rabbinical courts. They stated that um, that sanctions were, were levied against 36 uh, men who refused to issue a get and 11 women who refused to receive the get. Mm. Um, so it's a three to one ratio in, from uh, from women to men in terms of the sanctions that were issued um, against them. Wow, unbelievable! Well, yeah. that was some good research by you, Rabbi Jeremy <laughs> Stern has joined us this morning. Get Ora dot org g-e-t-o-r-a dot org and rabbi stern as always i appreciate your time thank you it's always a pleasure it is always a pleasure and uh amir tashem i i hope you guys are out of business soon god god willing thank you you got it you've been listening to that's live here at the nachum siegel network we're going to pull up the music in the background because it's it is a favorite song of mine and i know we are running out of time but frankly i could not end that interview a second earlier it just has too much good information this is Sisu by Avram Fried it's a little bit of a throwback Thursday moment here at That's Life tomorrow morning join Nahum as he hosts JM in the AM oh I didn't even mention today's live lunch my bad I apologize I'm going to rewind a second a full afternoon of programming right here after That's Life it's the live lunch hosted by Nahum Siegel here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Nachum and I will be back on the air together for the first time, and, well, I honestly have no idea. But today's live lunch, we will be back on the air together. I am looking forward. Yoni Pollock will join us to discuss his summer foodie endeavor. And Naftali Engel from the Rebbe's Choice Herring joins us around noon. You don't want to miss that as well. And then tomorrow morning, join Nachum as he hosts JM in the AM from 6 to 9 in the morning. The weekly update scheduled for 7.40 a.m. with Malcolm Holmline joins the program, let's say, between Jared Kushner being in Israel, recent plea by the Palestinians to UNESCO to protect Marad Hamachpela from the Jews, and a multitude of other crazy things, there may be a few things for Nachum and Malcolm to talk about tomorrow morning. Don't miss a minute. At the conclusion of Jame Nahum, join Nachum, join Nachum, join Naomi for a new edition of Table for Two. It is a remote broadcast. Don't miss a moment of it. Stay tuned after that as you enjoy the Kedem Arab Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. up until candlelighting, which includes the Kedem Arab Shabbos live lunch hosted by Mark Zamek. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this Mose Shabbat starting at about 9.30. Matis hosts JM Sunday. 
starting at around 7 a.m. Eastern time. If you enjoy what you listen to here at the Nachum Siegel Network, feel free to show your support. Go to fjbunity.org. We truly appreciate it. Again, we are listening to Avram Fried's Sisu off of the Bracha Vahatzlacha album from 2010. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Say the way you made it. Oh, you made my say it.